Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, so we're going to preview the Bucks and the Bears Sunday at Raymond James Stadium, 425. Jim Nance, hello, friends, and Tony Romo will be on hand for that one. But first, I got to start, and this is not where we normally start, with the American Athletic Conference expansion. Steve Versnick, we've got teams such as uh, Rice, I guess, Florida Atlantic, right? Mm-hmm. North Texas. Yes. Um, who am I missing out of this? UAB. Uh, UAB, yeah, but, uh, Charlotte, mm-hmm. UST or UTSA. That's right, and they, they want to be known, by the way, as UTSA, not UT San Antonio, which is a thing apparently. Um, and I'm going to get well, a little it's, excited. It's the U- UCF is they want to be known as UCF, not Central Florida. Right there, you Where go. South Florida used to be wanted to be USF. Now they want to be mm-hmm. known as South Florida again. It's confusing. It's always confusing with these directional schools. Um, and if I get a little excited during this podcast, it's because I'm watching my Arkansas State Red Wolves beating up a little bit on Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. Arkansas State, a robust 1-5, but playing the 5-1 and one Raging Cajuns, and right now taking them to the woodshed a little bit, there's an interception, and I know people are living on every word that I'm saying right now. I am. So listen, here's my, here's my problem with the American Athletic Conference. I'll just, I, I, I don't know what to make of this. They have three teams nicknamed the Owls. Who? I mean, you got yeah, right. Rice, Florida Atlantic, and who am I missing? Um, Temple. Mm-hmm. So, so now, I mean, that's crazy to me. The Owl, I mean, you mentioned the SEC. Well, the has, SEC has what three schools named the Tigers? They have the Tigers, but let's think about this. A, a tiger is is a menacing, teeth bearing animal, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it 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 shows strength and now. If you know anything about certain owls, I'll give you this. We had one caught in our neighbor's backyard pool screen. I'm here to tell you, you don't want to mess with this bird. This is not a friendly bird, okay? The owl the owl is, is uh, much more dangerous than you might imagine. But it's interesting, right? Like, it's, it's not like that, you know, who gives a hoot type thing. It's like the owls, like, woo. It, 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 it's just not, you know. So what happens when Temple plays FAU? It's the Owls against the Owls here in, uh, like, really? So if the Tigers are the ferocious animal, is it just saying that uh, the AAC is now the smartest conference and Owls are usually wisdom? Yes, it's wise. And so that somebody said that to me today. They go, maybe it's, you know, maybe it has the the academic side, you know? They're trying to knock off the Big Ten who wants to think they're the smartest. So Big Ten or maybe Ivy League. Maybe it's the Harvards of the South. Who knows? But yeah, the Rice Owls, the Florida Atlantic Owls, and the Temple Owls all coming to roost in the AAC. I don't I mean, I don't know, you know, I think it it pres- preserves that conference as, you know, one of the big conferences that's not one of the, the Power 5, you know. Um so, I, you know, and, and they have good markets in Dallas, you know, in good, good television Houston, markets obviously. and recruiting. Yeah, and uh Birmingham, I mean Alabama's always a fertile Recruiting ground. They got new stadiums. 
We talked to Matt Baker the other day who said he thought the stadiums were a big deal in, mm-hmm. in uh, some of this. I, I don't know how I feel about it. I'm still, I'm still anti, you know, you know, a stadium to me isn't going to change USS fortunes. That's just me. But Well, a stadium um, alone won't. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, you, look, it doesn't matter. I, I, they can pack them in James. And I'm just here to tell you because I've had this discussion with ADs. The people who would foot the bill for that really likes really like Raymond James. <laughs> they like sitting in the in in the suites, man. It's got all the amenities in the world. You want them to go go to a uh, a new bounce house over there and uh, you know off a of Fowler have at it. But um, and there's a drop pass inside the five. Oh my goodness. Um, so yeah, but anyway, kind of interesting. Um, going to be a good conference uh you know i think they did the right thing in in uh, trying to get as many of the of the teams um since they lost obviously a few and you know we'll see i'm disappointed that my my red wolves aren't aren't part of this they're still they're still in the sun belt i guess um but that's okay they've been there a while all right so we got uh bucks and bears look uh we could go over this injury list it is long it is massive and Unfortunately, we don't know who's going to play as we do this podcast uh, for Friday morning. You know, you still got to get to at least Friday at 4 o'clock when you see sort of the status, you know, um, questionable, doubtful, out, basically, is what we're looking at. Um, And, you know, we did see for the first time before practice, Rob Gronkowski was working with Roger Kingdom and Bobby Slater, the trainer. He was doing some running. And when I say running, like a few sprints, you know, some cutting. And to be honest with you, he looked from from the naked eye in, in the the few sprints I saw, he looked winded. You know, it's one of those things, he's got cracked ribs, so it only hurts when he breathes hard, right? So this is probably a big step for him to get out there and actually expand his lungs and, you know, see how he holds up and stuff. Antoine Winfield Jr. came back after uh, Wednesday's practice when he was in full pads. Came back again Thursday in full pads and had full participation. So that's a great sign because we've talked about concussion protocol and how, you know, you really need to exert yourself and do some football stuff outdoors. Um, make sure you you don't have any symptoms. Come back the next day. So it's all up to an independent neurologist, and I haven't heard, you know, whether he's out of that protocol or not. I fully expect that he will be. Um, you know, if he practices today, they don't do much on Friday. They're usually indoors. It's kind of a, a little bit, uh, not really a walkthrough, but they're not in pads and things like that. So the good news is they'll get back, you know, a key member of their secondary. And, and that helps not just when they're base defense, because they got Jordan Whitehead back too. We know Mike Edwards can play. Um, so they have a little depth of safety. They have three of them. And if they want to, when they go to five defensive backs or, or even six, um, they can put that extra safety on the field. And you've got guys that have played. And and that's the key right now is that, you know, they're looking for as many, uh, not just bodies, but but guys that have actually been in the system. So the two that are out and will stay out are Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy Bunting, both on IR. Um, You know, they can't do anything about that. They have to miss at least three games. So it'll probably be maybe a couple more weeks before we see them. Uh, don't know about Levante David. Um, he did not participate. He's got the sprained ankle. I'm just guessing. Look, they should beat the Chicago Bears, okay, with what we know is going to play. They they should be able to beat a team that has a rookie quarterback in Justin Fields, albeit he's talented, okay. The Bears are last in the NFL in passing offense, last. And their top two running backs are down. So 
you know, you're going against a defense in, in Tampa Bay that has been the number one rush defense now for about three years in a row. So if you can't run it and the Bears can't throw it and they can't protect very well because Fields has been sacked 18 times already, the matchups should favor the Bucks. And even with all these injuries, I mean, look, they could be without Antonio Brown, who has an ankle problem. Jason Pierre-Paul hasn't practiced. We haven't even seen him. And that's, you know, that could be that he, you know, out seeing a specialist or something. I don't expect him to play. You know, he tried to come back. He had the shoulder, um, the, you know, the, fing- the the hand where he was playing with the club. I, I didn't see him make many plays. They said he was fine. And he certainly, you know, Joe uh, Tryon Shawinka didn't get in there very much at all. I think maybe 20 snaps. So if Joe has to go, um, this would be a good game to do it uh, against an offensive line that hasn't protected well. And it gets the quarterback that, frankly, you know, he's going to pull it down and run. Now, that's that's good and bad. You know, pe- people always talk about, oh, this guy's a mobile quarterback. He's, you know, he can really escape pressure and all this and make plays down the field. And that's fine if you're keeping your eyes down the field. And it is, it is good, you know, that they do run for first downs and things like that. But generally, the guy, the quarterbacks that scramble a lot, they usually lead the league in sacks because their offensive linemen have no clue where they're going, and they're holding the football. And those things in the NFL, at the NFL level usually result in guys getting on the ground. So um, this will be this will be a good test for the Bucks. I th- look, I nothing's easy, right? We thought Philadelphia would be a team they would dominate, and they were up twenty-eight-seven, and they wound up having to fight their butts off. Um, at twenty seven twenty two and win the game, but they every matchup really does favor them in this game. I I can't I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. I just think they should win. And add on top that you had the extra rest going into this game, and it's great a great point, game. fantastic point. They have fresh legs, yeah. yeah, and it's a home game. Which you know, look this year in the NFL with the crowd noise, and we've talked about it. And the Bucks yep. this year have shown that they seem to play better at home than on the road. Now. Some of that may be the competition, too. I mean, you went to Los Angeles. You went to that emotional game in New England. So maybe that had something to do with the road performances as well. But with the extra rest, the bye, you know, you do have some guys dinged up, but your talent is still better than what Chicago is bringing to your house. And and, and this should be a victory for the Bucks. Yeah, and, and, and having said all that, I mean, like, you know, the, the idea, of course, is to, you know, score as many points as you can and – I do think that one of the things Chicago has going for it, and I saw it sort of firsthand oh, when I watched the game at home, I saw it against Green Bay, is that their defensive, uh, their defense, especially their front, their front seven, their front four, when healthy. Now, I think Keem Hicks might be out, which would be a huge boost for the Bucks if he is. Um, but, you know, yeah. I mean, you've, you've got a lot of good players on that side of the ball. Mac mm-hmm. um, is the last guy that Tristan Wirfs has given up, you know, uh, a sack to. And, and they just they, – they're very physical. Like, there are some teams, and you probably know this in hockey too, like, the, you know, they call there's some teams that are a heavy team. And a lot of times the matchups are bad um, simply because, you know, uh, you might play a different style. And, and this Bears defense – is a heavy defense. You feel them. You know, you feel them and you feel them sort of right away. And, you know, that, that I mean, that can be a problem. You know, uh, it was up there a year ago. Uh, 
you know, the, the one thing you can't do against this team is get behind the sticks. And, and that's, that's exactly what happened um, in Chicago was the penalties. You know, they had, they had a bunch of penalties up there. Uh, they led twice, uh, you know, 10 to nothing, 16 to 14. The, all they needed was one drive for a field goal to end the game, and that's, of course, when Brady lost track of downs. But they had one drive in that game. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen where I think they had they had five or six penalties on one drive, and not just any penalties. Like there was an offensive pass interference. Um, there was unsportsmanlike conduct on Ryan Jensen for, you know, fighting a guy. And, you know, they when, you, when you're down, you just need a field goal and you have those sort of mistakes. And now this year, you know, the one thing you can say about them is they, they haven't cleaned it up. I mean, Bruce Arians has been pretty on them all week long about this. They've had, I think, if you include the defense, like 24 pre-snap penalties, which is a ton, right? These are guys jumping off sides, um, not getting lined up correctly, you know, losing the snap count, all of that. And that just beats yourself. I mean, they, they, the other team did nothing, you know, to, to put you at, you know, second and 20. You're just doing that to yourself. And so if they're going to be a good football team, if there came a point after the Bears game where, where all the players – just decided, okay, we're not we're gonna wipe out these penalties. We can't do this anymore. You know, let's see. I think it'll be much easier at home because again, you know, they played a whole season in front of empty stadiums and communication wasn't the problem at all. It was just weird trying to perform without without fans. But you, you could hear too much. I mean you could talk to the bench, you know, without a without a helmet communicator. But they have done a poor job of, you know, staying ahead of, of, of the down and distance just because of, of the false starts and the illegal formations and all these things um, that they've been called for. And, you know, what better time to do it than against a team that, you know, you had a ton of flags a year ago. If if they do that, if they clean up their act a little bit, they're eventually going to get back some of these defensive players. I don't, I don't know, for example, that, um, you know, some guys like, JPP. I don't expect JPP to play. Like I said, Levante. I guess he's close, but I I don't know what that means. If I had a player in this, you know, this week that I thought was the least bit iffy, I'm not playing him because, buddy, you should beat the Bears at home with whatever you put out there. You got enough. You got enough guys on offense to score enough points. You should be able to hold a rookie quarterback who's not playing well, um, especially with Todd Bowles and the pressure he dials up. You should be able to get out of that game, you know, and 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 I, everything to me would point to New Orleans because, you know, you get to six and one and you've got at least a one game lead. Now New Orleans has to go on the road to Seattle on a Monday night, so they're traveling as far as they can go, and they're coming back home, you know, to play the Bucks at you know four twenty five on uh, the following Sunday on Halloween, but this is a huge game because you know. You go in there and, and win one on the road in the division and go up by two or three games at this juncture, you're in terrific shape to win to win the division. And you need to win the division. This is not going to be one of those years where, you know, we said it last year, if ever there was a season to go on the road four times, it was one where fans, there were no fans or very few fans, that there was no decisive home field advantage. That will not be the case this year. And so, you know, the Bucks need to win the division. And the team that, in my opinion, the only team they have to worry about is is New Orleans because I think Carolina has come back to the pack at three and three. Uh, they're not as good as as they appeared to be, 
Atlanta is Atlanta. They've already got one win over those guys. It comes down to New Orleans, who's getting some guys back healthy. So, you know, if I don't have, if I got a guy who's not 100% or close to it, I'm not playing him. And that includes Antonio Brown. Look, they can get by with Tyler Johnson. You know, that's why those guys are on the team. They're pros too. But this is, uh, you know, this this is a great matchup for them. And, and I just don't see, I just don't see how they lose this game. I don't. Well, one other thing, too, and you were talking about the defense for Chicago, and, and their front seven is the strength of that defense. Right. I, I saw on, on Pro Football Focus, there, there's two things that the Bucks, you know, have going for them in this, if they clean up the pre-snap stuff and don't get behind right. the six. Right. One, they have a top five offensive line. Yes, And two, do. Tom Brady is second in quickness getting the ball out, only mm-hmm. behind Ben Roethlisberger. That, yeah, which is Ben's playing hot potato with it. Well, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, you know, but there's a little difference there. But saying that you know Tom Brady gets it out so quick, you can't sack him. No, you can't. And, and you know, as long as they they're not going second and fifteen, first and fifteen, third and twenty because of pre snap stuff. And you've got the home crowd, so the crowd noise shouldn't be a problem in you know snap counts and lining up. So it's just the mental part of it at that point. Yeah, they and they, and I think you know noise has been a factor, but they they have played so much better at home than on the road, and you know a lot of that is is just the communication part. I mean, I think they communicate a heck of a lot better, um, you know, when the crowd's not in their ears uh, during during the offensive part of it. But yeah, Brady Brady has been great. I mean, he, I think he I think last week he was around. I don't know, just under 2.5 at, at times, 2.3 something um, in his release, which is going to make your offensive line very, very good. You know, it's going to make him feel very good. And the other thing he's done, um, which is sort of not his game, but and I and I wrote a story about this on TampaBay.com. The guy has has used his mobility this year uh, in ways that we've not seen him do. And has been very successful at it. Um, you know, not just, you know, the few times that he's pulled it down and, and run for first downs, which he has done, but also just, you know, getting outside the pocket and extending some plays and making throws on the run. Now, this is not by accident. You know, everybody thinks, well, you know, protection breaks down. You get it. That's, that's all true. But, you know, a couple things about Brady and his mobility – that's usually the first thing to go when you're an old quarterback, right? Your arm, uh, you can't protect yourself in the pocket. You're seeing that with Ben. That's why Ben Ben's getting rid of the ball because he's, you know, his average throw is about two and a half yards. He's he's playing hot potato. He don't want to get hit, and he can't move. He, he almost can't get out of harm's way. Tom, his feet have actually gotten better, not just because of the knee surgery, but because they drill this thing every day. If you watched him in practice, like they go through these cone drills with these quarterbacks and Clyde Christensen. And there's an emphasis on movement, you know, and Tom's always been a guy who's good when he has to climb up in the pocket or if he has to, you know, slide right or left to avoid a rush. He's always been good at that. But, he, but he's, you know, he's a pocket passer, and he always will be. No one's going to confuse this guy with Michael Vick. However, this year, I mean, you, all you have to do is just remember the games, you know, and, and some of the plays that he's made whether it's scrambling, and, he, and again, he's not comfortable doing it, but he's done it effectively. Um, you know, I, I can remember, you know, there was a play in week two against the Falcons where, you know, he had a critical third and two and, and, and he ran. 
Um, and he's made jokes about it, like, you know, I'm thinking, get down, get down. He did it against the Rams, um, where he, you know, kind of slid out and found O.J. Howard on one play. Uh, New England, you know, that was a defensive struggle. They had the ball on their own nine-yard line, and he he dropped back into his own end zone and rolled out and hit it through a strike to Chris Godwin for a first down at like 37. And that went on, you know, that led them to a field goal uh, at the end of the half. Um, they were trailing, what was the other game? They were, oh, same game, they are trailing 14-13. And they got third and six in the fourth quarter. And he ran six yards for a first down. That's why he's on the ground and that meme, he's spinning the ball in his finger. Um, Dolphins, same thing. He makes a throw to A.B. where, you know, they're trying to, run the clock out in the final drive and things break down. AB does a nice job of getting open, but Brady rolls out and throws a strike on the run to Antonio Brown. I'm not sure we would have seen that uh, a couple years ago. One, he had the bad knee and he didn't feel good. Um, But he really had, it's amazing. Like at 44, like this dude is still finding ways to challenge himself and still finding ways to get better. And, and it's been a factor. Now, He'll tell you, and everybody, we talked to Byron Leftwich, and Byron's like, yeah, it scares the hell out of me when he does that. <laughs> He's just like, <laughs> I, he goes, look, I, he goes, I, I, I was not a scrambler. I couldn't run. And he goes, you know, I played from the pocket. He goes, but it's dangerous out there. And Brady has said that too. He goes, when you get out there, he goes, everything moves a lot faster. And he goes, you know, everyone knows it's not really my strong suit. He goes, but, you know, there's times you have to do it. You're just more susceptible to a lot of injury. And that's why he's, he's, you know, deliberately try to stay in the pocket and unload the ball, and and uh, that helps your offensive line, and you get in some kind of rhythm. But um, this year, I mean, I've been impressed. And he, you know, again, you got to pick your spots. But you know, the guy, the guy has really worked. He's worked at it, and you know, not surprisingly, he's just added another. You know, improved. It's not again. He's not a running quarterback, but he's also able to get out of harm's way and extend plays, which. Uh, in this league, with these passing rules, you know, is a huge asset for you. And we're going to see that with Justin Fields. I mean, the thing about Justin Fields is that he watches the rush. And when he does, he's dead. Um, but he can extend plays, and he's got one hell of an arm. I mean, this guy, uh, better than what we saw in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts. And Hurts threw the ball down the field a couple times, got some PIs, um, you know, 48 and 50 yards down the field. Justin Fields can can throw it farther. And you know, and and he's going to look for open receivers. So they'll have their hands full. You know, I mean, you just hope that this is not the week that it clicks for Justin Fields. You know, two weeks ago it did. Last week it didn't with the Packers. The Packers just lined up and ran the ball. They ran the ball all day. You know, Rodgers made some plays here and there, and, of course, he ran for a touchdown and all that. But it was really just, uh, you know, the game plan was, we're not going to let those guys tee off on our quarterback. We're going to run it down their throats. And they were pretty successful at it. So this might be another game where, you know, Leonard Fournette, um, some of those running backs get a, get a pretty heavy workload because, um, you know, that's that's the easiest way to kind of slow down a pass rush with Robert Quinn and, you know, and, and Mac and, and all those guys. Um, so, yeah, it, it'll be a – It'll be an interesting game. There'll probably be a good number of Bears fans. Like I know, the, I know the stadium sold out, but I also know that Chicago travels well, especially this time of year. Flights are cheap. Um, it's getting starting to get a little cold up there, so you'll probably see some Bears fans. I would imagine because you can go on the secondary market and buy tickets, and 
Um, so that'll be interesting. And uh, yeah, so looking forward to it. But they they got a chance to go six and one. That's a hell of a start, you know. And and Brady sitting here with only what three interceptions. One of those is a tip ball off of Fournette's hand. One is a hail mary. I mean, he has played as well as you can play. And you know, uh, for my money, he's an MVP candidate. We'll see. We'll see how many wins they get. But uh, nothing on his on his thumb this week. He was practicing with without a splint. So I think they're ready. Um, they're a little behind on the defensive end, but they're ready. Brady's even trash talking. He is. He really is. Yeah, he's 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 given. Uh, he gave. Well, like I said, I didn't realize that this is the. It, it's hard to believe he's played twenty one years. This is the first Ohio State quarterback that started against him. I, I don't know. I mean, are there no quarterbacks at Ohio State? I remember well, Dwayne Haskins. So was let me let me go through the list. All right. So Dwayne Haskins has before this season. This all, yeah. all these numbers started thirteen games. Okay, and in, in, in the NFC, so he didn't yeah. get to play Brady. Right. Yeah, Cardell Jones never Cardell started. Cardell Jones, again. geez, I forgot that guy. Terrell Pryor started ten games. Troy Smith. Terrell Pryor played against Brady, but in relief. Right. He didn't start. Yeah. Troy Smith, eight games. Craig Krenzel, five games. And then before that, Joe Germain never played, never started. Joe Germain. Bobby Hoying, that was before Brady. He was, well, and Hoying's uh, his teammate. You 13, know, yeah, 13 games. Yeah. Kent Graham was 17 and 21. From that Giants, was, you know, he, right? he was, yeah, 1992 he came out, so. Tom okay. Tupa, who mostly did punting, but was also Punter a quarterback. here in Tampa, yeah. Yeah, 13 starts. The most successful Ohio State quarterback in history is Mike Tomzak, who yeah. went 42 and 31. But he was – he, he came out 15 years before Brady. I mean, so, he, yeah. you know, this is 80s and 90s. And Arch Schleister had six starts. But that's the – I mean, Ohio State quarterbacks have not started many games in the NFL, period. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the Michigan quarterbacks were – on in Brady's class or around it. Yeah, there was know? there was at one point it was early two thousands that there were six Michigan quarterbacks in the NFL, and and, and a lot of them went to school at the same time. Yeah, well, Hartball was the old one. Yeah, he was the old and one. And then yeah. and it started the run from Greasy to Brady, Drew Henson. Mm-hmm. I believe Elvis Gerbach Driesbach. was part of that. Uh, Dreisbach may have been part of that. Um, yeah, I mean it was those. It was, and there may have been another quarterback if 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 Henson was playing baseball at that time and wasn't in football. But uh, at one point there were six of them. Now lately it hasn't been that many. Although Chad Henney is still a backup in Kansas City. Right. I'm just trying. I mean, just in in, in terms of like the Big Ten. I mean, you know, we we know about Purdue and Drew Brees and mm-hmm. Bob Greasy, right? I mean, how far you want to go back? Michigan State, Kirk Cousins comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, geez, there's, I mean, there's really not a, a, a ton of Big Ten quarterbacks that, that made it to the NFL. Boomer Esiason at the time in Maryland was actually in the ACC. Yeah, I was going to say they weren't the Big Ten at the time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, I can't remember many Northwestern quarterbacks. Uh, Wisconsin, if you want to count Russell Wilson, who let's started see. at well, NC State. Jeff George. Jeff George of Illinois was a first pick overall. Yeah, he Jim was... Everett. Okay. Kerry Collins, Bob Greasy. Yeah. Len Dawson was Purdue. Len Dawson. Way back at that point. Man, Purdue, when you think about it, they got Hall of Fame quarterbacks, man. You know? Dawson, Greasy. Jeff George started there. 
Jeff George started there and transferred, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. He'll end up with a gold jacket. They've probably been, well, as renowned quarterbacks as as there's there've been in that. I mean, conference. Russell Wilson. Wilson, if you if you count him, and I would That's at his, Wisconsin. I mean, his last stop was Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, he started at North Carolina State, but he had a lot of success um, at Wisconsin. Took him to a Rose Bowl. Antoine Randall L was a good NFL player, but not a quarterback. Not a quarterback. But yeah, he, he was, was kind quarterback of a slash in Indiana. Guy. Yeah, yeah, he was really good. Yeah, it's interesting. But Brady can resist just to give Ohio State a little shade <laughs> anytime he gets a chance. Well, he doesn't get to after the last Saturday in November, so you got to do it now. Ooh, yeah, I think you're right. Does Ohio State play Michigan State this week? Or, I'm sorry, Michigan play Michigan State? That's next week. Oh, that's next week. Yeah, Michigan's okay. got Northwestern this week. Oh, yeah, we talked about that, the big noon game, yeah. Yep. That Michigan, I tell you what, man, credit, hats off to Michigan State. I mean. Mel Tucker's done a great job there so far. Really I mean. has. He came. From, he was doing a good job in Colorado, right, before he got this mm-hmm. job. Former Wisconsin assistant. I know him as a I mean, Badger. It, that Michigan-Michigan State game is going to be interesting because both teams are playing well but really haven't played anybody yet. I mean, right. They haven't, they haven't played the Penn States. They haven't played the Ohio States. That's right. Um, you know, I mean, Michigan played Wisconsin, but how good is Wisconsin? I mean, you, going into the year, you thought they'd be better. Yeah. You know, so it's, you know, that game next weekend will be interesting. And the Big Ten, now you're going to start to see the Ohio State, Penn States, Michigan, Michigan States all play in that Big Ten East. And it's going to get interesting now. I mean, right now they're all winning because they're not playing each other. Yeah. But those four schools are going to start playing each other now as we hit the second half of the season. So then, then <laughs> we'll start seeing who's who's worthwhile in the Big Ten, if any of them are. I still think that Ohio State's going to come out of this thing. I agree. And, and I think they're going to end up with just one loss to Oregon, which is not going to hurt them, and they could find themselves in the playoffs again. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, especially they went, they they went out. They're in the playoffs. That, no absolutely. question. No question. Absolutely. You win that conference, you know, you're the Big Ten champion with one loss, you're in. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll have gone through Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn, Penn State, State in your division. Yeah. And, Just to you know, get I there. mean, yeah. they're all going to end up with a couple losses because they're going to play each other, but they're beating everybody else they're playing. Right. And then whoever you're going to face in the Big Ten champion, well, it's probably Iowa still, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I State wins out, they're in the. They're in the the playoff, no question. Yeah. Even though I, I mean, it's weird. Like I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a great. There's some, there's a lot of parity in the Big Ten this mm-hmm. year, but I don't think there's any super teams. I agree. You know, these, this Ohio State team is not, at least yet, the way it's constructed. It's not, it's not as as dominant as some of the teams Urban Meyer had. Mm-hmm. But, but they again, will. But if they're gonna, if they're gonna go. They're going to have to beat Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State, and Iowa along the way. Well, they'll have the they'll the have the resume. Teams. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I mean, a true freshman quarterback in C.J. Stroud. So, you know, he, as he gets better and better, you know, it, it, that, that's what the seasons. So that's the, what the good teams do. I mean, the more they play, um, you're supposed to be playing your best ball. You know, at the end of the year, and it, and I I think Ohio State's going to get better. So hopefully, hopefully that Michigan Ohio State. You guys won't just get. <laughs> I think CJ's a redshirt freshman, but still. Oh, is he redshirt? Okay. I believe he is. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll give him. We'll still give him a freshman. That, still a freshman, and 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 a guy that hasn't played a ton, obviously, before this year. So, um, you know, that'll be uh, that'll be fun. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So we got uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Where are they at this week? Well, first of all, did you see the bling they got on Thursday night? I saw the rings. They look beautiful. They're, uh, I think there's a pop-off uh, item to it as well, like much like the Bucks. And, mm-hmm. uh, but he, it, you told you told me about the phrase that pays on this thing, which I think is absolutely stunning and brilliant. And it just it has number one BS on it. <laughs> number one BS. If that's perfect, man. Ode to Cooch. There's your there's there is your uh, your phrase. And of course that that emanated from a, a lot of things. Uh he was talking about the salary cap and you know all the all the excuses that other teams gave for them winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Vasilevsky not winning the Vesna. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. It's number one BS. Yeah. And that they hey. handed him Bud Light, not champagne, number one BS. <laughs> That press conference, man. Hey, Joe, <laughs> get in. What do you say about Joe? Come on, Joe. Joe Smith. Let's go. Come on, Joe. Let's go. Joe Smith, former times now with the Athletic. Yeah, Cooch was Cooch was the star of that that uh, Stanley Cup and that postseason and everything. Man, it was great. And boy, do they miss him. You know, and they miss him. Uh, you talked about this, like they miss him as a leader too. You know what I mean? It's here's the thing. It's it's hard. You know. You think about his play, and he's he's tremendous, right? He's one of the best players in NHL and does so much for them, including on the power play where they're 0 for 6 and all of that. But then you then you think about, like, what what they lose every day with him, you know, not being in the, in, in the room. You know what I mean? Like, he, he's a leader. He's, a, he's become a, a pretty popular teammate and a leader on this team. They're going to miss that. Yeah, I mean, the, what we saw in the press conferences, the last two championships uh, from mm-hmm. him, yeah, is the personality that his teammates have seen for years. Yeah, he's he's beloved. Yeah, um, but he's really you know, we remember back to that Columbus series when they got swept, right? And you know, Cooch had a bad series. You saw him kind of moping around the ice, took yeah. a really bad penalty, got suspended for game three. Uh, you know, he just you know he hurt his team in that series, and and it wasn't the reason they lost. They you know there was lots of reasons they lost that series. But if you saw what he did the next year and then, you know, in the playoffs last year, he obviously missed the regular season last year. But his demeanor on the ice has changed. His his leadership in the room has changed, and he's become a vital part of that team, um, not just on the ice but off the ice as well. And, and yeah, I think they will miss him in, in this, you know, however long he's going to be out, you know, month, two, three, whatever it is for a lot of those reasons and, and things that maybe fans don't realize. I mean, you know, some of us still have that image of, you know, moping around the ice at times, but you don't see that anymore, really. And mm. it doesn't mean he doesn't get down on himself a little bit if he misses shots and stuff like that. But, I mean, it's the, you know, there used to be some body language that was just, you know, I don't want to say awful, but, you know, you're just looking on the ice going, what are you doing out there? He just seemed you know. aloof at times, you know, yeah. like he he mm-hmm. would just not seem disinterested. And I'm not, I'm sure he wasn't, but to your mm-hmm. point, the body language wasn't wasn't good. It seemed as if he was 
clearly frustrated, but but more so, he just seemed out of it, like he wasn't engaged, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and that's the worst thing you can say about a player. Yeah, and yeah. that was the perception of whether he was or not. I mean, the players in the room oh, could tell you that or not. But. Yeah, I think I think he probably was. I just think, and, and a lot of Russian players get this anyway because you know they they're they're sort of unemotional on the ice. You know, they don't um, they don't show a lot of their emotions sometimes, and that's stereotypical. I know, um, but that's that's what a lot of people have said about players that come come over here from uh, from Russia, but. Cooch, I mean, you see him now, you know, after winning a couple cups with a couple beers in him, and he's a hoot. I mean, he's an absolute riot. So um, he's as intense as anybody, man. Um, it must just be – it must be fun to play with him. In addition to being a genius out there on the ice, he's um, he's completely engaged and he's completely competitive. Uh, and, yeah, number one BS, man. He uh, – he coined that phrase. So that's that's fun that they have that on their rings. Yeah, they're beautiful. Yeah. You haven't seen them yet. You can look, you know, any social media. Oh, God, or, they're gorgeous. You know, online. Uh, I mean, just like the first rings, they're stunning. Yeah. Uh, I, I like guess, these. I like these even better. Yeah, I guess I Fallout think. Boys playing it wherever they're holding the uh, ceremony tonight. It's a private ceremony with the team. Oh, is that right? But yeah, Alex that's Warren what they got their rings tonight. That, so. Yeah, it's curious. Like, they, they, they probably would, uh, and I don't know what the supply chain did to them, but like, Typically, you'd have that ceremony before the season starts, right? Well, could. I would think, or, I would think, but you know, don't forget this was a shorter than normal off season too. Yeah, that's um, true. That's true. Didn't have as much. You time know, so yet. normally it's three to three and a half months. This was two to two and a half. Hmm. Um. You know, so there's, I mean, you know, supply chain could have been a lot of different reasons why, but yeah, I mean, last year they got them really late. I mean, it wasn't till yeah, that's right, April that they got their rings, I believe. Yeah. Um, and there may have been a lot of reasons. Now, it, it helps that by doing it two years in a row, a lot, you know, you've already been working with the, the ring designers and things like that. So the second one probably goes a lot quicker than the first. Yeah. Um, it's just figuring out, you know, hey, what do we want to put on there? What do we want to do different, this and the other? But, you know, a lot of things you probably already worked through, or, you know, it's a lot easier to do the second one than the first, I would think. Uh, yeah. Particularly when it's back to back like that. So, right. No, so, they're, they're, they're beautiful. They're beautiful. A lot lightning. I mean, it's such a first class organization. You expect nothing less. But um, you know, winning back to backs just so cool. And they got to get it going. Um, they got who, the Avalanche got? are in Saturday night. Avalanche are one of the best teams in the They're West. They're a great team. Yeah. So I mean, the schedule does not get easier. Um, it, it does not. So you've got um, your Saturday night at home against the Avs, and you got a back to back Monday and Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to say they at oh, Pittsburgh, right? I think. I want to verify the teams. I think it's Pittsburgh and Buffalo. You're right. It is Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo, yeah. Pittsburgh. So Buffalo first in Pittsburgh. And then you get Arizona at home next Thursday. So Yeah. So that's I mean, that's three pretty tough games, you know. Yeah, I mean up. Buffalo Buffalo's actually off to a surprising start. I mean, most people view them as the worst team in the league. Uh finished bad last year. They don't have Jack Eichel at this point. They're trying to trade him, but they've yeah. actually got off to a really good start. And then Pittsburgh, of course, cleaned their the lightning's clock on opening night. Um, six to two, so you get the rematch with them at Pittsburgh. But you're also in a back to back, so you're gonna, you know, most likely see Brian Elliott, the backup goalie, for one of those two games. Yeah, uh, for the first time as a Lightning during the regular season, and you know they're still trying to figure out the power play without Cooch. And you know now they've had some practice days. Wednesday was a practice day. Uh, there'll be a practice today. Thursday was an off day for the players, but today there'll be a practice and they'll have a morning skate on Saturday. So, you know, maybe it helped to have a you know a couple extra days off between your game on Tuesday and Saturday. 
um, trying to figure out how to to deal with that. And you know, all the players in the post game and in the press conferences on Wednesday, including Jeff Halpern, assistant coach, just said, "Look, you know, you've got one of the best power play guys in the world on your power play, and the power play runs through him, and now he's gone." And yeah, last year you dealt with it, but you knew that going into the season you didn't have him. This one you didn't plan that way. You know, the power play runs through Cooch. Yeah. And so now you've got to figure that out, including who's the right guys and, and what spots and, and how you want to run the power play. So it's going to take some time, but, you know, you hope Andre Vasilevsky can keep them in games and, and the, the defense, which you basically have the whole defense back. Although, you know, Zach Bogosian, you had hoped was going to help. He's, you know, out for a little bit now, but. Um, you know, you still got Hedman and McDonough and, and Chernak and Ruda and, and, and that back and McDonough back there, a Sergachev. Um, you know, so you know, you try to you you're basically trying to stay afloat through the lightning now is you know, play five hundred hockey a little better. You know, hopefully Cooch is not out long I mean, the only thing we know, he's on long term injury reserve. So he's gotta be out at least ten games or twenty four days. Cooper is not really giving us much John Cooper as far as you know what the injury is but he said it's not going to be like last year 56 games mm. so not 56 games but obviously he's going to be out at least 10 games probably more than that so you know speculating so maybe it's two or three months he's out maybe it's till January kind of halfway point of the season yeah Maybe. I mean, you know, don't know. And a lot of it may depend on, you know, whether he's having surgery or not and how rehab and all that goes. But, um, you know, you definitely expect to get him back before the end of the season. So, and you saw the impact he made in the playoffs when he came back. Right. Yeah, they just didn't expect to lose him again. And it's a shock to the system, you know, this early in the year. You've got a new team and a lot of new players, and now you're going to have to move them around and get more out of some of the rookies and, and, you know, some of the guys now that are moving to the – Fourth line, you got different line mates, you got guys moving up, moving down. So it's it's just going to take time. I mean, it's a you know it's it's a terrible loss to uh, to have that happen this early in the year with your best player, um, and and yet that that's what they that's the hand they have dealt, and they've been through adversity. So we'll see how they do. It's going to be a good college football weekend. Not a great, not a ton of great matchups. We talked about the Northwestern and Michigan. Um, Florida is off. They'll have Georgia next week. It's going to be a big game for Dan Mullen. USF has to win, in my opinion, against Temple Saturday night at Raymond James. That's that's going to be the one that I'm watching closely. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's some there's some important yeah. games. Miami's, Miami's got a at, big game you know, against North NC State. State. Yep. Yeah, they they need to win that, or or their head coach may may be packing as well. Florida State has a pretty easy contest against UMass, I think. So. You know they they should win their second or third in a row. I guess it would be for Mike Norvell, which is great. You know, and then they then I believe they got Clemson after that. So this will be a tune up, kind of a bye week for some teams. Tune up week for some teams um, is what it is. It's hard to match each week. I say you I mean these games are so great, you're never going to match the ones we just saw, and then somehow they rise to it and they do. So so it's great about college football. So we'll talk about that. We'll be back to talk about the Bears and the Bucks on Sunday at four twenty five. And, of course, however, the Lightning Fair over the weekend as well. Thanks for listening this week. We're here every Monday through Friday for Steve Erstick. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.